0: our Bibles leave out important writings about Jesus. Why are some books included in the New Testament and others aren't? Many have heard of the Gospel of Thomas and other Gnostic writings, but what are they? How are contemporary movements such as progressive Christianity and deconstructing the Christian faith similar to these things? I'm Yvonne Pran with Bible805, where you learn to know, trust, and apply the Bible? These questions and more we're going to answer in our lesson today entitled, What Isn't in the New Testament? The Gnostic Gospels Then, False Gospels, and Deconstruction Today. A primary criticism of the New Testament is that critics say Christians intentionally left out or suppressed certain writings, primarily what we call the Gnostic Gospels, and that they should be part of our New Testament, but that they're not. We need to take these challenges seriously because our New Testament contains both how to be saved by faith in Jesus and how to live our lives after we accepted Him as our Savior in ways that are pleasing to Him. But there will always be alternative voices, ways to be saved, ways to live a quote-unquote spiritual life. The Gnostic Gospels are an ancient alternative that we're going to be looking at because it isn't just scholars who are influenced by them, as this quote illustrates. I'm going to read you the quote, and then I'll tell you who said it. It seems to me that the only true Christians were Gnostics who believed in self-knowledge, in other words, becoming Christ's themselves, reaching the Christ within. The light is the truth. Turn on the light. John Lennon said that. The idea of God within you but without Jesus is very popular today in some of the philosophical eras of Gnosticism in, for example, the various cults such as Scientology, that's a really big idea with them, and also in the modern what's called progressive church movement and in the challenges of what's come to be known as deconstruction or deconstructing the faith. Now, we're going to be talking about each of these in more detail later, but first let let's w- look at what the Bible warned us about them, because we do have warnings from Jesus when he said, "'Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruits you will recognize them. Every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit.' Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. And he goes on to say, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only And then he ends this passage with, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. I want to help you in this lesson today be wise about how you build your life. Now, what we see from this passage is that there are false prophets. There always will be, and we should be able to identify them by their fruits. Jesus goes on to state what the fruit of a false prophet is, thinking that big bragging actions, miracles even, are what makes you a Christian. But Jesus clearly states that isn't it. It's knowing him that makes an eternal saving relationship. And how do we do that? The answer is right there. And it's really clear where Jesus says, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. We must know what Jesus' true words are. The true words of Jesus are in the Bible and what are not the true words are not in the Bible and we must get to know our Bibles to know the real Jesus. Now my plans in this lesson to help you do that, here's what I want to do. First of all I'm going to review the foundation for why we have the documents that we have in the New Testament. Then I'm going to give you a brief summary of Gnosticism. It's basically the idea that special knowledge is needed for salvation. Again, Scientology is a very current and very obvious example of this, as well as today some of the progressive Christianity ideas and the current trend of destruct, deconstructing Excuse me, your faith. And again, I'll talk about them in more detail later. Now, then after I do sort of this brief overview, I'm going to talk about how the Gnostic Gospels were found. I'm going to evaluate them with the same criteria that we use to evaluate New Testament documents. And then we're going to actually look at excerpts from the Gnostic Gospels. This is really important, that you actually hear them, that you see what's in them. And there will be copies in the notes that you can refer to for longer material on them. We're then going to circle back to how similar ideas have entered into current beliefs today and we'll end with challenges about on what to do with them and some additional resources that I have. This lesson will be a little bit longer, but it is incredibly important. Please hang in there because the things that we're talking about isn't just ancient history, it's things and thoughts and ideas and trends that are greatly influencing people in the church today. So remember, in our last lesson, we'll start out with a review, we established the historical reliability of the New Testament documents that they can be relied on to give us the true history of who Jesus was and what he did. We established this New Testament reliability from manuscript data, eating? We looked at eyewitness accounts, we looked at the accounts and some of the really interesting ones, please go back to the lesson if you haven't listened or watched it, on some of the most interesting things, I think, are from non-friendly, non-Christian witnesses. A uh, man named Celsus was particularly interesting. Well, he said, well, Jesus did this, and he did miracles, and he rose from the dead, and he he basically verifies all the things that people do, and he goes, but but he did just did it by magic. That, that, that's how it all happened. And it, it really is kind of humorous in that even a great enemy of the faith could not deny that these things happened. And we learned that the manuscript evidence was not only just a few fragments here or there, but that we have thousands of manuscripts from very early dating. And I have a, a useful infographic that explains that to you that is free and downloadable on the Bible 805 website. So, um... Next, instead of after looking at that evidence for what we have to assure us of the solid foundation for our faith. Instead of simply accepting or being fearful of claims that, oh, that's not all of it, that there's other gospels, that some things were suppressed. What I want you to do is to check out the competing claims, and we're going to do that. Don't just accept what doesn't agree with what you've been taught. Ask questions: where's the evidence, the hard, factual evidence for some of these claims? And really read competing documents. In my series that I have on why we can trust the Bible, I share how when I first became really convinced of the truth of the Christian faith, one of the things that immediately assailed me after I thought, well, I found out why we could trust Christian documents, biblical documents, I thought, well, what if other religions have the same proof that we have? What if their stuff's just as good as ours is? And instead of being fearful, I studied them. I studied their history, their documentation, all of those things, and found no, no other religion has the verifiable history that the Christian faith has. And I did the same when I started studying the Gnostic Gospels. So I want you, and when I read them, I thought, people take these seriously? Now, I don't want to mock them i really don't but i will be showing them to you in a few minutes because they're invariably inferior they're fanciful they're without anchors to the truth and they're not what they claim to be and this includes not only the gnostic gospels but look at the if you doubt the validity of your faith, look at the source documents of other religions, including the Bhagavad Gita, the Book of Mormon, the Quran. I have lessons on Bible 805 on all of these where I go through them and go through the history of them. And the contrast between them and the documents that we have that support the Christian faith are extraordinary. But because many people are not familiar with The basic facts and the history, they fall for liberal scholars and popular scholarship. And on the video, I show you a cover of Elaine Pagel's book, The Gnostic Gospels, and her uh, subtitle is Long Buried and Suppressed. The Gnostic Gospels contain the secret writing attributed to the followers of Jesus. Well, you'll see shortly they were not suppressed and whatever. And then, of course, we have the Da Vinci Code. Most people had never heard of the Gnostic Gospels until these two books, Elaine Pagel's entitled The Gnostic Gospels and Dan Brown's The Da Vinci Code came along. They brought these manuscripts and beliefs into mainstream consciousness. And the basic idea in both of them is that these discoveries, and particularly three of what are called the Gnostic Gospels, the Gospel of Mary, the Gospel of Judas, and the Gospel of Thomas, that these are what tell the true story of what happened. Well, I will show them to you in a few minutes, and you can see for yourself if that's the case. But let's look at exactly what they are. Now, the Gnostic Gospels, first of all, scholars have long known about them they were not suppressed they have been in the scholarly world for a very long time they consist of primarily two groups of really poorly preserved fragments of manuscripts we don't have full manuscripts of any of them these were discovered during the late 19th and early 20th centuries and i'll give you a few more details in a minute by archaeologists at two sites in egypt Oxyrhynchus and Nag Hammadi. Now, It's interesting that both of them came from Egypt, but there's a very obvious reason for that, and that's because Egypt has this very dry, arid climate where the manuscripts did not deteriorate. They date from actually the 1st to the 6th century. The only places that these are called Gospels is um, just in current usage of them. They were never known as such in the early church. Only one to four copies exist of each of them and in in great contrast to, of course, our New Testament documents where we have thousands and thousands of them. And most importantly, they tell a very different story about a very different Jesus with conversations and events that are not in our canonical Gospels. Now, first of all, I'm going to show you on the video. I'll describe it to you for the podcast where they're discovered and tell you a little bit more about them. The primary documents were discovered by uh, two scholars, Bernard Grenfell and Arthur Hunt, at an ancient rubbish dump near Oxyrhynchus. They did their excavations from 1896 to 1916. And here's what Wikipedia says about it. Since 1898, academics have collated and transcribed over 5,000 documents from what were originally hundreds of boxes of papyrus fragments the size of large cornflakes. Now, the reason, of course, that they were just in these little bitty pieces is this could naturally be expected because all of these, they didn't come from a library, they didn't come from complete books, they came from a garbage dump. Now, that is not to say they weren't valuable. They've been extremely valuable, and you can go on Wikipedia, and they have all of the different documents that have been reconstructed. We not only have these Gnostic Gospels, which are a tiny, tiny little minority of them, but we have many um, documents that are uh, fragments of the New Testament and Old Testament that agree with what we already have in our Bibles. But the majority of them are business documents and shopping lists and uh, just all kinds of things that you would expect to find in a garbage dump. And I have a couple of pictures for you of the excavations where you can literally see the excavators not finding, again, big libraries or scrolls or things like that, but little tiny pieces that uh, they put into baskets and then reassembled later. Very, very valuable, but quite different than many of the manuscripts that we have of our New Testament. And then I summarized the findings of them on the... A textual comparisons chart that I updated from the New Testament documents where we have documents that were we actually have the physical documents from within fifty years of when the originals were written, and we have over five thousand um both partial and complete manuscripts whereas all of the gnostic gospels came were written between 150 and 300 um, AD long time after the uh, actual events took place, and we only have from one to four documents in contrast on each of them. So do check out this chart. And just a way to think about the difference between when these were written and when the New Testament documents were written Think about if you are listening to this today in, say, 2023, something that happened during our lifetime, say the moon landing. That happened in 1969. That's about 50 years ago. And we literally have writings from that time that close to the New Testament events, the life of Jesus, his crucifixion, the spreading of the church, all of those things. Now think of how different that is with something that was written about either the Civil War or the Revolutionary War between 150 to 300 years after the events. And again, you can see it makes such a difference if something was written right after something happened and From 150 to 300 years later, and that's what we have the difference between these books. Now, let's actually look though at what is the content of the Gnostic Gospels. They're not at all like the four Gospels we have in our Bible. They didn't have the name Gospel attached to them early on, they were never listed with our traditional Gospels, and they were never included and then suppressed. That is just a flat lie. To call them Gospels is a current and somewhat just sensational label. They do not tell the story of Jesus as our Gospels do. They do not cover his crucifixion, his death, his resurrection. They're primarily Gnostic stories and sayings we're going to look at. But before we do, I want to give you just a little brief introduction to Gnosticism. Now, prepare yourself. This is going to be a little bit wild, but what is Gnosticism? It was a branch of Christian mysticism in the early centuries of Christianity. Gnostics got their name, this is important, from the Greek word gnosis, translated, it means knowledge. They believed that Spiritual realities existed beyond the material realm, beyond material existence, and you needed special knowledge to apprehend them. They believed that because the material world was subject to decay and death, therefore the material flesh was bad. They did not worship the same God as Jews and Christians, but taught that he, the God of the Old Testament, was simply a lesser being, that he was a corrupt and ignorant being trying to imitate a higher perfect being, who had created a higher, more perfect spiritual realm. They taught that humans were conflicted and disordered, because they had both spiritual and material realities conflicting inside them. Through Gnosis, though, they taught that sacred understanding, through this sacred, this special knowledge, this sacred understanding, that human beings could transcend the flawed material universe and ascend to a higher spiritual realm. But, here is the key. You needed a teacher to help you do that. You didn't need a savior to rely on, you needed a teacher, someone with special knowledge and who passed on special knowledge in certain written documents. And that's that's what it was all about to help you find the God within them. Now, that secret or special knowledge Is what makes up the core belief of Gnosticism that you don't need an outside savior. What you need is to discover the God within you, and that you need to be taught that. Now, doesn't that sound familiar? You can find the same kind of advice on all sorts of social media today. But they believed, and people think this, again, through the internet and everything else, that certain enlightened individuals can know these secrets and pass them on, and they think Jesus was one of those enlightened individuals. The Gospel of Thomas starts out by saying, these are the hidden words that the living Jesus spoke and Didymus Judas Thomas wrote them down. We're going to look at that in detail in a few more minutes. But this is the same claim of cults, of new movements in the faith, that the Bible is not our sole source of faith and practice. Some of them look to some leader or guru. Others just counsel people to look within, but never to the Bible. And that's the problem with them. Satan is not at all original in his lies. From enticing Adam and Eve when he said, did God really say to the lies of deconstruction and progressive Christianity today? He still is saying that same thing. Did God really say this in the Bible? Or don't you rather want to listen to this alternative view and look within yourself, and you don't need to look within God's Word, and his lies remain the same. So let's look in a little more detail at some of his current ones. We're now going to look at some quotes from these books, not only from the books, the Gnostic Gospels, but I also have some quotes from Progressive Christianity and a Deconstructing Church. I have longer notes, longer quotes available for you if you want to look at them with the printed notes so just whatever you could just listen to these shorter ones or go to some of the longer ones now be prepared for the ones from well actually for all of them they don't make a whole lot of sense but I, and i'm not distorting them i'm not leaving anything out i will be reading them to you just as they are well, the one thing, though, that I think you will pick up immediately after you listen for a few minutes is they show an entirely different voice than the voice of our Savior, than the voice of our Lord. So listen carefully as you read them. I was reminded of Jesus in John 10, 4 and 5, where he said, the sheep follow him. For they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. And I think one of the things that's kind of scary is if people listen to the voice of some of what I'm going to be reading to you. To show you the contrast, first I'm going to read you a passage out of the Bible because I want you to have Jesus' voice, his words in your mind and in your heart before we start on some of the other stuff. A reminder of Jesus' voice in John 14, 1 through 6 and 15-21 through 21, where he said, Do not let your heart be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. If you love me, you'll obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you'll see me, because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. That's the voice of Jesus in our Bible. Now, here is the Gospel of Thomas, a little bit of background on it. After the Coptic version was discovered in 1945 at Hammadi, scholars realized that there were previous ones that they'd found at Oxyrhynchus. So we have, for the Gospel of Thomas, three Greek and one Coptic manuscript. The manuscripts range from around the 200s to 340. We don't know who the author is or exactly what prompted the writing of it, but he here is a quote from it. It starts out by saying, these are the secret sayings that the living Jesus spoke and Didymus Judas Thomas recorded. And he said, whoever discovers the interpretation of these sayings will not taste death. Jesus said, those who seek, Will not should not stop seeking until they find, and when they find, they will be disturbed, and when they are disturbed, they will marvel and will reign over all, and after they have reigned, they will rest. Jesus said, If your leaders say to you, Look, the Father's kingdom is in the sky, then the birds of the sky will precede you. If they say to you, It is in the sea, the sea, then the fish will precede you. Rather, the Father's kingdom is within you, and it is outside of you. When you know yourselves, you will be known, and you will understand that you are children of the living Father. But if you do not know yourselves, then you live in poverty, and you are the poverty. The person old in days won't hesitate to ask a little child seven days old about the place of life, and that person will live. Jesus said, Lucky is the lion that the human will eat, so that the lion becomes human, and foul is the the human that the lion will eat, and the lion will still become human. Matthew said to him, You are like a wise philosopher. Thomas said to him, Teacher, my mouth is utterly unable to say what you are. Jesus said, I am not your teacher. Because you have drunk, you have become intoxicated from the bubbling spring that I, have in ten- that I have tended. And it goes on a little bit more. And then Jesus said to them, if you fast, you will bring sin upon yourselves. If you pray, you will be condemned. If you give to charity, you will harm your spirits. That is the Gospel of Thomas. Then the Gospel of Mary. It was discovered in 1896 in a 5th century papyrus codex. We have three fragments of it, and uh, scholars assume it was written between 120 to 180. We don't know who the author is, but here is an excerpt from it. Peter said to Mary, Sister, we know that the Savior loved you more than the rest of women. Tell us the words of the Savior, which you remember, which you know, but we do not, nor have we heard them. Mary answered and said, What is hidden from you I will proclaim to you. And she began to speak to them these words. I, she said, saw the Lord in a vision, and I said to him, Lord, I saw you today in a vision. And he answered and said to me, Blessed are you that you did not waver at the sight of me, for where the mind is, there is treasure." I said to him, Lord, how does he who sees vision see it, through the soul or through the spirit? The Savior answered and said, He does not see through the soul nor through the spirit, but the mind that is between the two and sees what the vision is. In an Aneon, I was released from a world, and in a type from a type, and from the feather fetter of oblivion, which is transient. From this time on, I will attain to the rest of time, of season, of the Aneon in silence. Peter answered and spoke concerning the same things. He questioned them about the Savior. Did he really speak privately with a woman and not openly to us? Are we to turn about and listen to her? Did he prefer her to us? Then Mary wept and said to Peter, My brother Peter, what do you think? Do you think I have thought this up in my myself in my heart, or that I'm lying about the Savior? Levi answered and said to Peter, Peter, you've always been hot-tempered. <laughs> that is the Gospel of Mary and then the Gospel of Judas. It was a leather-bound Coptic uh, language papyrus document found in the 1970s. Now this, uh, we only have one manuscript of it. It's very fragmentary, but it became well-known because um, National Geographic did a video special on it. They even put it on their cover and it is a text that claims to be the story of Jesus' death from the viewpoint of Judas. But since it was originally written in Greek from around 130 to 170 AD, Obviously not written by Judas, but again it was very widely publicized. And here is an excerpt from it: When Jesus appeared on earth, he performed miracles and great wonders for the salvation of humanity. And since some walked in the way of righteousness, while others walked in their transgressions, the twelve disciples were called. He began to speak with them about the mysteries of the world that would take place at the end. He uh, often he did not appear to the disciples as himself, but was found among them as a child. When Jesus observed their lack of understanding, he said to them, Why has this agitation led you to anger? Your God who is within you, and and then there's blank spaces because there were big chunks left out of the manuscript, have provoked you to anger within your souls, that any one of you who is strong enough among human beings bring out the perfect human and stand before my face. They all said, We have the strength. But their spirits did not dare to stand before him, except for Judas Iscariot. He was able to stand before uh, before him but he could not look him in the eyes he turned his face away Judas said to him i know who you are and where you've come from you're from the immortal realm realm of barbelo i'm not worthy to other utter the name of the one who has sent you and i <laughs> i don't want to read anymore but um he well just a little bit this one ends up by saying the self-generated said let him come into being and it came into being and he created the first luminary to reign over him and said let the angels.'" come into being to serve him, and myriads without number came into being, um, and he said, let an enlightened neon come into being, and he came into being. (sighs) my. Um, As I hope you can tell in these, they are not anything like our Gospels is when we compare them, the New Testament Gospels are based on Old Testament prophecy and theology. They have a consistent message. We have verified authors. We have eyewitness accounts. They're written soon after the events. There are hundreds of manuscripts for each book. They're accepted by the Church universally. And our New Testament Gospels are a reliable source for salvation and And growth as a disciple. The Gnostic Gospels, in contrast, are based on the Gnostic belief system. They're inconsistent, scattered teachings, false authors, no eyewitness accounts, written a hundred or more years after the events. We only have one to four manuscripts per book. They were condemned by the Church Fathers, and they are a deceptive source of salvation and spiritual growth. Now, this kind of searching for more outside the Bible, it's been around a long time. Charles Spurgeon, the great, great uh, preacher of the 1800s, talked about it in his evening devotions where he said, Man's intellect seeks after rest, and by nature, seeks it apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. Men of education are apt, even when converted, to look upon the simplicities of the cross of Christ with an eye too little reverent and loving. They are snared in the old net which the grecians were taken and have a hankering to mix philosophy with revelation. and you can go on and read his longer quote and he's he ends by saying, The true heirs of heaven must come back to the grandly simple reality, Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. Jesus satisfies the most elevated intellect when he is believingly received, but apart from him, the mind of the regenerate discovers no rest. And here's a couple of modern day quotes. This is from actually a local church here that's part of the whole deconstruction movement. It's um, uh, it's the whole idea that de- uh, in deconstructing you, uh, dis- you discard things that are previously believed in the Christian faith. The church is calling itself the liminal church. Liminal means a space, an an in-between space, an edge. And here is how one of their members describes the church, our own liminal space, the threshold between conformity and pursuit, between blind faith and deeper faith. Liminal is not a place to just exist. Its nature is transitory and implies movement for our body, that movement is toward the divine. We're not called to be stagnant or comfortable. We're called to love and show love. I hear the same voice that I heard in the Gnostic Gospels when I read that. And here's another one from a progressive Christian website. This whole idea has been around longer than deconstruction, but again, the same ideas. Here's the quote, God is love and Jesus is love in flesh. For me, Love communicates most clearly in embodied form. Jesus shows us how to use our heads, hearts, and hands to build the beloved community. We follow Jesus' example to live in active, transformative love. Yet all faiths are love languages. I agree that the Spirit moves in beneficial ways in many faith traditions. Love finds expression in every faith, even as human limitation also finds expression in every religion. When Jesus says, no one comes to the Father except through me, I take that to mean that no one can come to love without embodying love. We commune with love by loving others, no matter how we label ourselves, and we learn how to love one another better by listening to and honoring each other's faiths, perspectives, and worldviews. After listening to these quotes in contrast to the Bible, it should be clear, they are a completely totally different voice. The Gnostics, the deconstructionists, the progressive Christians preach and teach an entirely different Jesus and gospel. The idea that you don't need a Savior that is outside you, that God is within you, that all you need is love, that all faiths lead to the same place, all of that, that you have the power to tap into it, that's been appealing since Satan told Eve that she could become like God if she ate the forbidden fruit, and that whole thing is still tempting today. That God within you may have far less rules, may allow you to do what you want, may make you more accepting of anyone and anything and any belief, but that God, as a puny God, will not save you either from an ultimately meaningless life or eternal separation from the true God the true God that you will find in the Bible. And Bible 805 has lots of resources for you that can help. I don't often take time to refer to the many resources that I have, but I wanted to take a few minutes to share my resources and some others outside of the website. Please know that the Bible 805 website takes no outside advertising. We don't get any affiliate money from anybody. We don't do any of those things so that I can... Refer you to things that will simply help you grow in your faith. I have recently totally reorganized the Bible 805 website where I've put the teachings into categories of topics. You can go to the homepage at www.bible805.com and you can find groups of teaching on why we trust the Bible, how we got our Bibles, all about the Trinity, read your Bible in chronological order, salvation in Jesus explained, all about discipleship, all of these different areas you can can go to the resources on them, and you can also do that on the Bible 805 YouTube channel, www.youtube.com. Bible slash Bible805. Check out these resources. There is a war going on today for people's hearts and minds, and you need to be equipped, and Bible805 has materials that will equip you. In addition, two books that I would highly recommend. The first one, and I just, I really can't recommend this enough. It's put out by the Gospel Coalition. It's Before You Lose Your Faith, Deconstructing Doubt in the Church. You must must read that. Um, It's available on Amazon. It's just an absolutely essential book. And then Alyssa Childers wrote a much more popularly written, and it's uh, for, uh, she's a younger person than the other one's a little bit scholarly, but really fantastic But Another Gospel, A Lifelong Christian Seeks Truth in Response to Progressive Christianity. Alyssa Childers takes her journey of how she was exposed to it and went back to the roots of her faith, Biblical Solid Christianity. Very, very good book. Again, highly recommended. Now, this lesson and these resources are vitally important because the results of these corrosive beliefs have permeated the church and this has resulted in what this book that, again, it's just newly out, the great Dechurching: who's leaving, why they're going, and what will it take to bring them back. The book describes this as the largest and fastest religious shift in U.S. history. Here is a quote from Amazon on it. It says, It is greater than the first and second great awakening and every revival in our country combined, but in the opposite direction." And it talks about how in this book, Jim Davis and Michael Graham have commissioned the largest and most comprehensive study of dechurching in America. The Great Dechurching takes the insights gleaned from this study to drill down on how exactly people are dechurching with respect to beliefs, behavior, and belonging. Now, the book is filled with really useful statistics. It's Interesting to read, but I did find their recommendations somewhat limited. They talk about obviously good things like uh, that people in the church start living their beliefs, that they be more understanding of those who question. But in addition to that, I would strongly encourage a more robust and courageous defense of of getting back to God's Word. That's what we need to do. We need to get God's Word into churches. We need to get it into people. You need to get it into yourself. And when Christian individuals take the Bible seriously and begin to live it, that is how we will reverse this trend of people leaving the church. The ultimate issue is that in contrast to these false gospels and teachings, A correct New Testament teaches us how to be saved and how to live, as it reminds us in John 20, it says Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And also Second Timothy three sixteen and seventeen reminds us all scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. We won't know who to believe, how to be sure of our eternal salvation, or how to live a fulfilling life that pleases our Savior if we don't have a correct text. But I trust that you can see from this lesson and previous lessons that not the Gnostic Gospels, not the things by progressive Christianity, but that we do have a historically verifiable, trustworthy text in our Bibles. Our primary application for this lesson today is for all of us to read it and to live it. That's all for now. Please check out the notes and related materials, including videos, podcasts, infographics, and teaching at www.bible805.com. Also, please do sign up for the newsletter that you'll receive updates of materials as they're created and posted. And please tell your friends about these resources. These are challenging days, and Bible 805 has many resources that will help you know, trust, apply, and also teach the Bible. Until next time, I'm Yvonne Prynne, your fellow pilgrim, writer, and teacher for Jesus, and I'd like to close with this benediction. May you know the invitation of God to move from confusion to clarity, from wandering to rest, from loneliness to knowing you are loved, from turmoil to peace, from wherever you are on your spiritual journey to a growing knowledge of God's Word, and in your personal relationship, with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.